Welcome to the Salty and Bright podcast, a show about how we can better live as God's salt and light today. Today, I'm super excited to welcome Chris Miller to the podcast. Chris was born and raised in New Zealand as part of a nominally Christian farming family. While traveling around Europe and the US, Chris stumbled across a loving church in California where he studied the Bible, was mentored by faithful Christians, and ultimately committed his life to Christ. Chris and his wife Melinda have three children and three grandchildren, and currently worship with the Otomotai Church of Christ in Tauranga, New Zealand, where Chris also serves as an elder and evangelist. So Chris, before we dive into our questions all about evangelism, can you tell us a bit about yourself and also your journey of coming to know Christ and his church? My great-grandfather was a missionary that came to New Zealand in the 1800s, and he came and established the church in a place called Napier, east coast of our country. Um, and we had really, time it got to us, that we were, in, we were a secular family. We would occasionally pray on a Sunday morning, but one thing my father did was he would pray with me at night the Lord's Prayer. He didn't do it with my siblings, he just did it with me. I don't know what happened there, but amazing how that put God in my heart. So, you know, I went to boarding school, strict, and but a little bit of God was in there in a Presbyterian school. Um, I then got into farming, went on and worked on a big station. Decided I want to get into people, brought my own business, it boomed. It was a food business and it boomed, made a lot of money. We put cash in the ground and jars, kind of trying to keep it for ourselves. So uh, kind of a bit of a story there, but uh, decided me and Andy, this friend of mine who had owned this business and we'd known each other for many years, we decided to travel. And that was way God getting us out of our environment. We traveled around the US and Canada and Mexico. Finally, uh, cut a long story short, in California, I was I had actually experienced a family up in Canada that I worked for, him and I, Andy and I, and they had Bibles beside the bed, and it was that Bible beside the bed that I started reading that fascinated me. So I brought a Bible on my trip and put it into a brown paper bag and sort of didn't want to share it with my friend because he didn't like this idea of us getting religion, you know. So we traveled together, and I read my Bible. It was pricking my heart, and so we ended up in California on the Ventura Highway. There's a song by America that's uh, going home it says on Ventura Highway it's a kind of a it's an amazing song it touches my heart because I was going home to the Lord on that road really and within I met the church I'd visited different religious groups uh, right across the Bible Belt and I was truly searching for the church but also for God and the church that God would want me to be a part of and we pulled in, I got lost, we pulled into a back street, my friend didn't want to come into church, he was going to drop me off. At the entrance was a lot of, I was single, 23, a lot of pretty Californian girls, they said come on in, they said does your friend want to come in, I said well probably not, but let me go and see, and when the girls were waving out, that was an immediate attraction for him, he came on in too. So we didn't hear much of the sermon, uh, but we saw the love of this church, a very small church, about 100, and they took us out for coffee and ice cream afterwards, and they invited us to stay, and they said we could use the building if we wanted to, or come into one of their houses, we used the building, 
and that night on the Monday night that was a Sunday night Monday night they had a study on Ezekiel we were very fearful we didn't heard never heard of this man called Ezekiel and they brought up baptism and so I asked questions because I was christened obviously Church of England and um, that night at 11.15 I decided I want to put on Christ they asked my friend if he does and he did too and uh, we both got baptized at about 11.30 that night and it changed my life I have to say that I, I never wept so much actually just for the fact that God had found and followed me you know even to this moment I could get emotional about that because God is truly wonderful and, and if we're searching he will he will find us that mooring of a person that we can tie up to and that was Max Dungey the person who taught me and um, yeah we stayed there for three months and after that they they studied with us from every night or should I say every Tuesday night and Thursday night they would have Bible studies knowing that we would leave and go on and they encouraged us with that they sent us off with money they sent us off with love and we've I've never been back there to that church believe it or not I feel very sad about that I need to get back and see if I can find them some of those brethren today but we've gone on and we converted people on the way we would meet people in parks in Europe we had a Volkswagen camper van and we would travel around and park and we would have Bible studies with people all through Europe and America and we baptized people in London and uh, yeah and many of those people are still faithful to this day so we've very, been very blessed on this journey and God has been kind to us so uh, I decided that after I'd been away after traveling five years I was in America and that I needed to school myself more to become more efficient in this and so I did I went through the South Pacific and as I said earlier been in ministry for a number of years. I think there's so much in your story Chris that really shows how God was really pulling you in you know just by nudging you to read your bible that day or introducing you to those pretty girls outside of church but what struck me most was just how keen you were to go out and share the gospel yourself and especially in light of our theme today could you speak a bit about what you understood evangelism to mean at that time and also, whether your understanding of evangelism has changed since then. Well, you know, as I said, I, I, I often think we have to know a lot. I didn't know a lot. I mean, I was out there, we would go along door to door, <laughs> visiting with people, and, and they would ask me, you're a Christian, I'd have sort of these sometimes even theological questions, and I said, oh, I don't really know that, but I do know this, that this Jesus has changed my life. And it was that authentic I think that that people are looking for that that realness I always describe it in, in first second Corinthians 4 7 where it talks about you're a treasure in this you have you have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not of ourselves and that's an important verse because we have this obviously I call us a bunch of brown paper bags I'm I'm that way I can tear very easily but I know that inside me is the surpassing greatness of this power that actually works within my weaknesses and I think evangelism is simply that I think what I find in the conversions I've had recently is me just being loving and real if I could tell a story just only nine eight months ago I was I go to a gym and 
I always pray God lead me to a person and help me just be me, whoever it is that you want me to reach. And this young man, longish hair, very stout, about six foot two, very good looking guy. Uh, we sort of chummed up a little, just talked for a few minutes. And one Saturday, I used to pray, started praying. I identified that this man I want to win to the Lord, Lord, you know, if that's who it is that I'm here for. And uh, so I was there one Saturday morning. Normally don't go on a Saturday morning, just during the week. And he happened to be there at that same time. There was only one other person in the gym. And anyway, I just started talking and and he just mentioned that he's following Buddhism and following, he believes a little bit in a, uh, in some of the Eastern religions. And I said, well, I believe in a creator, one creator that made us all. And he was a little bit intrigued with that. And I said, well, why don't we get a coffee later on and we go and talk about that. And so we had a coffee and I do my little, what I call my diagram I, on a, a little cloth or whatever the, the cloth be, being there. I, I write up and I do three circles. I do body, soul and spirit all joined. And I talk about the body. I said, you have this body. And I said, you're keeping it and you try to manage that and keep yourself healthy. And then here's your soul. And I said, your soul represents your mind, your personality those things we try to keep well too. But I said, over here is the spirit. And I said, that third one, only God can activate. I said, you're dead. You're, I said, you're actually the walking dead when you don't have that spirit activated by the Holy Spirit, which is God coming into you. And he was intrigued by that. I said, I can help you get the spirit alive. I can get, we can get that switch on. But I said, you have to be willing to want to do this with me. And he did. And he was baptized. Um, he's a very strong a young Christian at the moment, he's trying to reach his family. And I say all that to say that, you know, God took the weak vessel, you know, which we mentioned in Second Corinthians 4, 7, the clay pot or the brown paper bag and used me. And it wasn't anything flash. It was just being me and caring for this guy. And I think that's what I would say to people. Just care for people and, and ask questions so evangelism to me is trying to be authentic. It's trying to just be me. Uh, I used to think I had all have to have all the answers. Well, no, I don't. I can. I'm trying to brush up on that and my apologetics constantly. But I think it's just being real that they you care for people. I especially liked your recent example of establishing that bond with that young man from from your gym. And it sounds to me like your approach is really organic, you know, as opposed to walking up to strangers on the street or door knocking, which, you know, have their place. But I think your approach sounds much more people and relationship focused. Can I deject on that and say, ex exactly. No, I think you're right. Um, I grew up in a little town of Martin and I remember going along the street and they were on the other side with these people preaching and of course you'd be going to hell and you were and I remember trying to dodge that and I'd go I'd, I'd never went up to them in my journey saying hey I want to know about your God it sounds you know you're not drawn to that I was drawn to the authenticness of Max who cared for us and who generally wanted to house us and find jobs for us and it's that we just need to be caring and real. And as you said, organic. I like that word, organic. And I think it's like he says in Second Corinthians 4, he talks about in there in verse 10, so that Jesus also may be manifested in our body, or the word there manifested is revealed in our body. And I think he's talked about afflictions just in those verses, verses you know, previous to this. 
So I think God uses not the stars, he uses the scars. People want to see your scars. They want to see, is this Jesus working in your life when you've been broken and, and things have happened? I've shared this story, probably you've heard this, when I was in Reno, I, I have a disease called Lyme disease and had to battle with that, but God has humbled me with that. And I remember going to this clinic supported by another brother who helped pay for me and I went to this clinic in Reno, Nevada kind of a bit miserable, not wanting to be there. They had some IVs in my arm, and this guy would go around. He was Jewish, and he would massage you if you wanted a massage or any pain areas, etc., and I was just not really, and he saw me reading my Bible. I just had it on my lap while I was in a room of about 30 other people, and, and he says, I'm interested. He says, you're reading your Bible, Am I'm a Jew. He says, I dare you to try and convert me, you know, to what you believe about this Jesus, and I thought, God, I don't really, I'm not here for that, but I, but I need to come out of myself and be real with this guy. So I ended up studying with them over the next seven weeks I was there. And Greg, Greg came a Christian and is still a Christian today. And he always said to me, Chris, he says, you came to Reno to get well, but actually you came to make, make me well. And it was me and my brokenness that God used. That's what I'm trying to say here. It's not all the stuff that we think we have to know and be. and It's just us being concerned and being real uh, and, and just being looking for opportunities, praying for those opportunities. When I get out of bed, I put my feet on the ground. I don't always do it. I try and do it to say, God, today, as I step forth, take me to the people I need to talk to. Lead me to those in my brokenness, in my, you know, in my wretchedness, in who I am, take me to those people because it's not the stars he uses it's the scars you know and uh, I find God does that with me I always think of first John 5 10 when he says the one who believes in the son of God has a witness he says or a testimony in himself we all have it you know we've all been touched by God and we have a testimony a witness a story and the word witness or testimony literally means to remember what's happened to you that's all it is, and what God has done for you. That's all you're doing is remembering what God has, how God's changed you. Probably today, you know, I was reading on Barna Research. I don't know if you've looked up them, but they took about evangelism in the 90s, and they said 10% of the church was doing it. Today, only 1% of the church are doing it today. So we've got a problem, uh, and I think the problem is that we've made evangelism this, oh, it's only for the sacred few that are, dedicated to it or how outgoing or and I, I think you're right I think it's rather than seeing it no it's just being authentic going out there and praying and being concerned for people and looking for those moments that God is providentially going to moor you up with those people. I think that actually leads really nicely onto the next question I wanted to ask you Chris particularly in light of that you know pretty scary statistic that only one percent of us Christians are actively sharing the gospel with others. So Chris, I wanted to ask if you have any thoughts on why that percentage is so small and what kinds of obstacles can keep us from evangelizing. I think what happens, in, and I know for me, and I know I've talked to other Christians, is it's a little bit like, I don't know if you've heard the Life Club, when it started, the early Life Club started trying to save lives and they had a little hut. And then time came when more people were added to the Life Club. And what happened was they decided, well, no, we didn't flash a, 
premises we need to get nice lounge because people need to come and relax and well years go by and and of course instead of them reaching out looking out to save lives they become comfortable in the life-saving club and this is our club now and you can't get into it kind of deal a little bit of the church is a little bit like that i think at the beginning in our 60s and 70s probably like your church was probably formed by passion evangelists who came over who converted well time's gone by and we've got comfortable in our little quote christian settings and i think we've brought in the uh, lovely sofas i don't mean that literally <laughs> but we're all sitting around in our lovely sofas i think we've forgotten our mission trying to get people off the sofas and out onto to save save lives in the ocean you might say is a challenge now some say you've got to restart the life club you know to go down the road and have a you know what i mean uh, i'm not necessarily proposing that i'm just saying sometimes that has to happen sometimes sometimes we have to say right who wants to start a group into this area of town to say let's be intentional about trying to win some souls in this and let's just hire a little hall or do a house church or whatever and try and reach some people we can get comfortable another reason is that we're not good on our apologetics we're dealing with a secular culture and i wanted to bring this up with you i think this is a big problem when peter spoke in acts chapter 2 he spoke to the israelites and so he convicted them there are these over here which are the greeks and to them it's foolishness as he says in first corinthians uh, i think it's chapter 1 verse 23 you know to the jews it's a stumbling block to the to the gentiles it's foolishness we've got a society now that's not a jewish culture it's not i mean i say that religious we've got a gentile secular culture now in our western world and therefore the way we're going to have to approach them is a whole lot different than 20 years ago 50 years ago uh, even 10 years ago and they have the questions which we need to go back to genesis on we need to know genesis people i talk to i sit them in genesis i'm doing that with my, even my granddaughter right now we're doing three weeks already we've done on genesis because i think that's where it all lies because they want to know uh, they don't know anything about this creator god they don't know anything about sin they don't know anything about why do we have disease why do we have cancer uh, you know why where's this marriage stuff that we talk about that people are running away from where does all that formed why is is there in my heart this desire to want to sin as opposed to want to do good all that's in genesis and i think we've got to get stronger on our apologetics chris before you go on could you just explain what that word apologetics means just in case our listeners haven't heard it before or like me have heard it but don't fully understand it okay it's simply presenting your faith it's presenting what you believe your apology your statement of faith uh, has to be adjusted to the people you meet and in most cases we're meeting secular my neighbor i've had some big chats he's he's basically an atheist we've sat around the table and i've challenged him i've had him that close to getting a bible study with him we're not there yet <laughs> you know you know they think this bible stuff's a lot of fairy tales so we have got to get better at telling them the facts and you know telling them about the dinosaurs where did the dinosaurs and what happened with the dinosaurs we need to have a biblical explanation which i feel i want to be clued up on so that's why i study i study apologetics that's why i want to know these things so you know preparing ourselves to meet the take the gospel to other people that's what apologetics is 
you know Peter says it this way doesn't he always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have but do it with gentleness and respect he says you know so it's that that's simply what apologetics is Chris I might just shift direction in our conversation to ask you about the early church um, especially after you mentioned Peter preaching in Acts 2 so can you talk a bit about what we can learn from the early church and their passion for the gospel yeah, I, I just think Acts, you know, first of all, obviously they devoted themselves when they, that in Acts 2 there, uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to prayer, the breaking of bread and prayer, etc. And then they went on and we see them evangelistic. I especially love, I suppose, the apostle Paul because he became very adaptable. I mean, he went into the synagogues, tried to reach the Jews in the synagogue. There's your religious people. Uh, and he tried to reach them. And out in our world today, there's religious people. There's different groups that I, I think need to be brought closer to Christ. Catholic and so forth. I don't want to get into names here, but you know what I mean? I think there are groups out there that just need to be brought a little bit more closer here so that they can obey the gospel more fully. On the other hand, when you get to Acts 17, we have the Gentiles. And the way Paul addresses them is vastly different he started out by telling them about the God of this world and who makes it up and who holds it all together and sets up boundaries. And so I think what I see through Acts is, yes, I think the early church was obviously in their, in their heyday, like all of us, very excited. However, when you get to Acts 8, they weren't spreading. You know what I mean? I think they're just like after they got comfortable in the life-saving room, <laughs> you know, and uh until God sends again a, a, a persecution on them and he drives them out and they go to Samaria and to the different parts of the world. And I think that's probably a little truth about what we've got to go through. Maybe a little bit of COVID, all this is driving us to th rethink how we do church. You know, God sees us all in our little life-saving clubs. Meantime, just down the road is a person searching, but we're too busy about ourselves so I think I think the early church struggled with this exactly like us. They got comfortable, you know, 15, 15 years in, whatever happened there, the church has got comfortable. And I think the, we go through the same cycle. We have to just got to pray to God, move us out, keep us moving. Don't just let us meet in our, in our Sunday mornings and our little midweeks that we meet and we huddle, but we're not looking... For as I say to the group that I always try, I always say we need to have an empty chair uh, in the study group. You've got a group, and over here we leave that chair empty. We don't until we pray, God lead us somebody in the group, bring somebody to sit in that chair. Now we don't go and say, Well, you're, you're actually in the chair that we're praying, we just say they've come and sit, and so we'll set out another empty chair, uh, not embarrassing them, and say, You know, here we've got a chair here, we'd like to, and so. You know, I've had done with groups in one year, I had five conversions because of the empty chair principle. And not, not through me, through the group doing this, bringing in and filling up the empty chair. And I think every group needs to have an empty chair. We need to have one in the auditorium. We need to have one when we meet in a Bible class or midweeks at your, you know, like your parents' home. We put an empty chair out there and say, we're going to pray for this empty chair. Who's somebody that, that God wants us to have in that chair this evening and maybe next week? From Acts, I think they fell into the same thing. We need just need a good nudge every so often. And we need a little, dare I say, a bit of persecution. 
to push us out, you know. <laughs> Chris, I'm also curious to ask you what role prayer plays in how you evangelize, because I think it's popped up a couple of times just in our conversation so far. So can you speak a bit more about how prayer shapes how you go about sharing the gospel? Yeah, I think that's it's the lifeblood to evangelism. I really do. Because before I can reach people, God's got to change me. He's got to make wake me up to providential moments. Uh, he's got to wake me up to these appointments that God's going to have for me uh, in meeting people. So I suppose what prayer is for me is, yes, it's guiding my life and God looking after me and God re-helping the church, but it's more, more about God converting me every day, putting me back to what I need to be, and that is his minister, his spokesman. So I think prayer sharpens you for that. I think when we when we can come together as a group and pray, not just about Billy's need or Catherine's sore foot or whatever, you know, which we all do. We take the list, the next thing it's all about our ailments. It's about, and I'm often saying to the group, well, what are we doing to praying about these people next door and down the street and in our community that are, we don't know, searching? What about them? It's trying to get the mindset, I think, and that's where prayer, I think, is important. We can change a mindset of the church to think this isn't just about us this is about the world that God wants to reach here and God wants to break into that world and he is already out there he's out there he's waiting for me to join him and I'm a bit slow about that so I think prayer is vital to changing the church's heart but it can't be I think the danger is we have a prayer meeting and next thing the prayer meeting comes all about our needs and so forth. I think the prayer meeting needs to be our focus today is we're going to pray for community. We're going to pray for these people that are searching. We're going to pray for wherever people are on the, we're praying that God will bring them closer to him. The, I like, I've got a quote here and I want to quote it to you by Lee Strobe. Uh, he wrote a book, Inside the Mind of Unchurched Harry and Mary. Very good book, by the way. And he says, The lost are not necessarily looking for miracles and appearances of Christ. He says, What they really want to know, does Christianity work? And how can I experience it? So when we're praying, I suppose going back to that, we're praying God lead us to those people that we can show that this Jesus that's in my life uh, really works and it can help you. And that's what I really try and say to people. When I meet people, I will say, I'll just come out and flatly say it. You know, I'm a Christian. I believe that I'm meeting you here today and that God loves you and has brought me to meet you. And I've had people, their eyes get kind of a little bit watery. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Because they, they're in this lostness. They're in the search. And, and even though they may go, oh, it's a bit heavy. Generally, there's a little tear, there's a little, you know, and I, I just say that God loves you. And I'm here to tell you that. And he wants you to know that. You know, we do what sometimes what we call street walk. They're young Christians, don't have a lot of knowledge. But we just go and do street walk. We go down and we might just break into little pods on our own, but keep close to each other. And I'll just walk down and my name's Chris and, and I'm just down here and just want to know, can I pray for you on anything? And amazing how many people will stop. Oh, 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 okay, actually, I do have something you could pray for me on. 
and it allows conversation it get you get nervous because you don't know what you're going to come across you know but it's exciting it puts us out on the edge and that's what we're not doing today we're all very comfortable in our little church settings and we've got to take Christianity to the world but and it's prayer puts that in that path you know puts us out there I think that's such a helpful principle Chris which actually leads quite nicely onto my last question and so that is would you have any more advice particularly for younger Christians who are either wanting to evangelize more often or with more courage just in their everyday lives I would say search for somebody in the congregation or search for somebody of like mind that would really like to become more, a bit more vigilant, a little bit more into the zone of, of evangelism. Get with them and pray with them and then set a target. What do we want to do with this? What are some things we can do together to do this? When you do that, when you find somebody, it sort of prompts you to be a bit more bolder uh, sometimes it's better to go in two or pairs. I think the early the disciples did that in pairs. There's a fear factor there. And I know I'm more vigilant and more awake when I'm with another person that we're going out. We're going to a coffee shop and we're going to take our Bibles and we're going to look around and see if there's a conversation starts up with somebody in the next table or whatever. But join with somebody who's of like mind. Because all honesty, some members don't want to do it. And so, you know, they're going to kill that in you. But you find someone who is of like mind and you go out and do it together. And that would be a second thing. I think we all have godly passions, you know, and those got, and our interests. You know, I, I go to the gym. It's not necessarily my passion, but I go just to keep alive and keep reasonably fit. But I have fishing. I love, I have a little boat. It's one of my, I call it my godly passion. And I said, every member's got a godly passion. They've got some interest. Whether it's in going and having an, enjoying coffee shops or whatever. But I said, just use your godly passion. It just to moor up with people. My previous boat, I got another boat. It used to be called Prime Time. And I would use Prime Time uh, as a time to prime with people, to get with people. I had many, many conversations on that boat. Uh, using my godly passion, just doing life with people to have conversations about about God. And I just say to people, look at your godly path, whether it might be riding a bike, it might be bowling. We've got uh, some members right now, they're into, they do badminton. Well, one of them, Cheryl, met Suli. She's a Malaysian and she was at it and conversation develops purely because they're playing this. And uh, last year she got baptized into Christ. And it was simply using, and I say to members, use your godly passions to meet people. And God will just bring people into our lives and we use our godly passions. And, uh, you know, I, I, my boat is a great means of that. In fact, I'm just texting a guy right now trying to arrange a time where he wants to go out fishing. And, and you know, it's uh, they get five or six hours with me and they're not moving. You know what I mean? So <laughs> they're stuck, you know. But you just find these little spaces, these godly spaces. And... Uh, at a gym or in a boat or playing badminton or out on the bike and yeah just those god spaces are wonderful mm. so that wraps up the official interview about evangelism chris but i do have five more what we call rapid round questions so the first rapid question is what is your favorite bible verse and why Actually, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God. That one, because that sums up who we are. It sums up what we belong to, the universe, everything. If we want to know our roots and our origins and know who we are, 
It's God. Everything comes from that. Second question, Chris, is who is your Bible hero and why? I I would have to say, I mean, I have a lot of Bible heroes, but one would be definitely Abraham, to be honest with you. I teach on him. In fact, I'm doing a lesson this weekend on him. The reason for that is because he came out of paganism. He came out like I did out of paganism, of secularism, of whatever ism you want to call it. Uh, and for me, Abraham would be uh, the, the one that showed the journey, stumbling, lying, profusely sometimes, very fearful, tried his own way, having a child through Hagar, lied to Pharaoh, different things that I see the struggle in the man. And I just love his walk and I love his journey and didn't get it all right, but he loved God and grew to love God. And that's me. I want to grow to love God more and more every day. So Abraham would be my my hero. Mm. Next rapid question is, when or where do you feel closest to God? Um, wow, that's a that's a challenging one. I I think when I when I'm broken, when I know my own struggles physically, spiritually, temptation, and I have a God who I pour myself and say, God, I'm broken. I'm and I sometimes even when I've know I've sinned or let God down, I find that to me as parking with God and resting with Him in His grace. And to realize that, you know, I can't do this by law. And I'm very strong on that and trying to teach that to others because we will carry a guilt and we'll, it'll, Satan will use that to stuff out our witness to people if we don't realize that it is by grace we're saved and not by our works. Mm. And the fourth question, Chris, is what is an ordinary moment that fills you with gratitude? I love riding my bike. and We have a lot of tracks that run through the countryside here and from our house and, um, I have those moments that I pray as I'm riding and I'm just filled with gratitude that one, I can, I'm an old man, still can ride, you know, <laughs> that I can still do it. And it's just me being with God in, in this terrain and I can view that and I find that a moment uh, to be thankful. I go down and I ride off into the mount, which is about a 30 minute ride and I'll ride to our beach place and I'll sit on a, on a sand hill there and, uh, and after I've ridden with my bike, and those moments for me are very contemplative, very thankful, a God moment. And the last question, Chris, is what is one lesson you think God is still trying to teach you? I, I think I have to, I'm, like I said before, it kind of goes back to the previous answer there, that I think I have to realize that it is not by my works that's going to save me. Because I, I come from a very much, I think I have to do this. And I have to realize, no, Christ's already done it for me. And that is a battle for me. I want to, I want to please God, and I realize I don't. And that kind of that battle is kind of a bit of torturous sometimes. And I, so I have to realize, no, it is him that saves me. So that brings us to the end of our conversation, Chris. But I want to thank you so much for sharing your infectious passion for evangelism with us as well as your own story and practical tips about sharing the gospel. So thanks so much again, Chris. It's a pleasure, Faith. It's a pleasure. And um, glad you got hold of me to do it. Yeah, I just feel honoured. Very honoured. Mm. I hope you enjoyed listening to Chris's story and advice as much as I did. His passion for Christ really does touch every aspect of his life. This is the last episode of our evangelism series. We'll be taking a short production break, but the podcast will be back next year 
with plenty more conversations with faithful Christians from Australia and beyond. So until then, stay salty and bright.